Okay, two exemplars that go really well together under the concept of immunity are allergic rhinitis and anaphylaxis. These are two types of exaggerated immune responses, one not so severe and one that could potentially be severe. Let's talk about allergic rhinitis first. So when we see that word rhinitis, we see the suffix itis, we should associate this with some type of a inflammatory response. And this is another name for this is hay fever. So this is that kind of um, runny nose, um, inflammation in the sinuses, um, itchy, watery eyes. And this can be caused by a lot of things, things like pollen or you know, animal dander or pet dander, different plants, molds, air pollutants, different foods. Um, so this type of response is not severe and can be easily treated by over-the-counter medications. So there are some medications that I want you to know that fall um, under this, and they're antihistamines. I'm sure you've heard of them. Many of you have probably taken them before because they are over-the-counter. There are two different generations of antihistamines, so first and second generation. We kind of have to we have to understand the difference in the two because there's some major side effect differences. Your first generation antihistamines are typically sedating. So they're going to cause a lot more drowsiness, which is why they ended up developing the second generation because people couldn't really function and take this first generation antihistamine all the time on a daily basis because it made them feel so tired. So then somebody created these second generation antihistamines, which are, they claim they're non-sedating. I would say they're less sedating because you do have some uh, patients that, that do um, say that it caused some some drowsiness. Um, so they choose to take them later in the day instead of um, later in the day every day instead of in the morning every day. But the, it is definitely less sedation than what you would see with first generation. So your classic example of a first generation antihistamine is Benadryl. The name that you should always remember though is diphenhydramine. So diphenhydramine um, or first generation antihistamines are H1 blockers. So they're blocking histamine. Histamine is a chemical mediator that is released as part of the immune response. I didn't really mention this a whole lot in the immunity overview podcast because we're going to talk about these chemical mediators here. It just fits better as we talk about these two examples. So this drug is going to block that histamine because that's what's causing all these symptoms, the, you know, the runny nose, the itchy, watery eyes. So it decreases that allergic response. Um, the one thing about it is, is that it has a more systemic effect. So it's not just affecting like, um, you know, clearing up those symptoms, but it can also affect the respiratory system, blood vessels, GI system. So there could be some other side effects along with that. And this is going to help with generally mild allergic reactions. It may be used in an anaphylactic reaction, um, but it's not going to be your go-to because it's not going to have the power like some other drugs that we're going to talk about would if you're having a true anaphylactic reaction, which is typically more severe. So it's going to help decrease the nasal secretions, decrease the itching. Um, it has an onset in, of about 15 to 45 minutes. Um, and it has that range because you can use it in different routes. Um, and the duration of action is usually about four to seven hours. Like I said, the major complaint, the major side effect would be drowsiness. That would be the one I'm worried about the most because that's a safety concern. So making sure to teach patients, you know, don't be operating heavy machinery while taking this drug. Um, don't, 
take, you know, other sedating drugs with it, avoid alcohol with it. So things that are going to make them drowsy, we don't want to add that into the mix as well, since this drug already makes them drowsy. And we may recommend that they take it at night, or if they're not taking it at night, that they just limit, you know, their activity, you know, depending on how they react to the drug. Another really common side effect is dryness, so dry mouth. So I could just instruct my patient to drink more to help with that. That's not quite as concerning as the drowsiness. This drug is contraindicated with a narrow angle glaucoma. So when you're learning about drugs, you often see that there's this contraindication where you can't take this with another condition or like you can't take it with other drugs. Um, and so this one, it can increase, the glaucoma causes an increase in pressure in the eye and this drug can actually have that side effect as well. So we wouldn't die, we would not give this to someone who has uh, glaucoma. Um, and then the different routes that the um, diphenhydramine can be given is POIM, or intramuscular, or IV, which is intravenously. Okay, so um, the second generation drugs that we can give, I said that those are not quite as sedating. Two common examples are loratadine, um, which is known as um, Claritin, and then Sertirazine, which is known as Zyrtec. But again, you want to know the names loratadine and sertirazine. Those are your two common examples of second-generation antihistamines. Okay, so that is allergic rhinitis. That, that's all there is to know about it. Not a whole lot. Not a whole lot going on with that. Now, with anaphylaxis, so this is a little bit more uh, in detail because there's a whole bodily response going on here. Um, you know, typically anaphylaxis can be mild and it could just produce maybe some, um, some mild swelling or like some hives could develop. Um, but a lot of times it can quickly move into a more severe where it's this whole body system that all the bodily systems are reacting. Um, and it could be a bad outcome if we don't intervene. So um, in the Immunity Overview podcast, I mentioned about those immunoglobulins and antibodies that respond. So they're going to respond in this event. Um, and we're also going to see those chemical mediators that I just briefly mentioned earlier with the histamine. Histamine is the main one that I want you to know. But just to name off other examples of chemical mediators that will respond uh, with different types of reactions like anaphylaxis, there are... Um, Prostaglandins, bradykinin, and serotonin are a couple of those other ones, but histamine is, is the main one to focus on. And there's different types of cells in the body that release these. Um, basophils and mast cells release these chemical mediators. So let's kind of talk about what goes on. Let's say somebody is exposed to um, peanuts and they're allergic to those. So their body's going to respond to the antigen by releasing IgM, IgG. Um, it recognizes the antigen as a foreign substance and attaches to it. The patient doesn't have any symptoms at this time. Then, later, um, they have a release of chemical mediators, and now this is where IgE comes in. Remember I talked about that immunoglobulin before in the immunity overview. This IgE is the one that we associate with um, allergic reactions. So when the body's first exposed to something, it just has that normal um, Ig, I, IgM, IgG, those normal immunoglobulins responding. 
but now it has this exposure again, and now we have IgE responding, which is that allergy um, immunoglobulin responding. When that responds, it causes the release of histamine. And it's important to understand this because histamine causes vasodilations, uh, vasodilation in the vessels. So if my patient's blood vessels are vasodilating, it also causes capillaries to become very leaky. Then they're actually, their blood pressure's dropping, they're losing volume, and that's not good. So they're going into this shock-like state. So the patient's going to start to have symptoms at this point. They're going to have um, nasal congestion, itchy, watery eyes, flushing, sweating, weakness, apprehension, anxiety. And now the, the response continues to intensify. More histamine is released. Now we might start to see the body swelling. We might see this angioedema, which is swelling in the face, the eyes. When you see that, we're starting to get concerned because that, can, that tells us they're right on the verge of that throat starting to swell up. So that's a red flag. We see that angioedema. And at this point, they could start to have red, itchy skin and, um, and hives developing. Next, the body's, the lungs start to get distressed. Because what histamine does is it starts to cause the um, to fluid to leak into the lungs. So now we've got fluid leaking into the alveoli because of this um, the capillaries being very permeable because of histamine being released. Histamine also is going to cause constriction of the airway. So this is where we start to see the tachypnea, the difficulty breathing, rapid breathing, using accessory muscles to breathe, maybe even cyanosis. Because they're having breathing issues, we might start to see this affect their cognitive level. So level of consciousness might start to decrease having more severe anxiety, possibly even seizures because of cognition being affected. As this continues to deteriorate, we truly see the patient develop this shock. Their blood pressure is plummeting. They have pale, cool skin because, because their volume has just decreased so much from that vasodilation caused by histamine. Meanwhile, they're having their... Um, their respiratory system is constricting. And then that's causing that difficulty breathing. Their heart rate might be going up to try to compensate, freaking out because the blood pressure is dropping down and the circulatory system is collapsing. So if we don't intervene, this patient could just progress and really have a whole body system where they're going into pulmon cardiopulmonary arrest. Um, they can even have problems with with bleeding because another thing that those mast cells release besides histamine is heparin. So the body has its own um, heparin that it makes. So we don't just give heparin, uh, you know, via injection. So with the, the, the body releases the heparin, then they're also having some bleeding that could even occur. Hopefully we don't get to that point of the failed compensatory mechanisms and we've intervened by giving the patient medication. So during this whole response, um, again, just to reiterate what's happening with anaphylaxis is the circulatory system is collapsing. Histamine has caused this vasodilation. So the blood pressure's going down, the heart rate's going up to try to compensate. Um, blood is trying to shunt to the core because um, 
it's like the body's in shock and it's trying to save itself. So we see this kind of cool, clammy skin develop. All the meanwhile, in the actual respiratory system, there's constriction occurring. And then that's where you see the breathing difficulties come in. So one of the things that we need to give these patients is epinephrine. So epinephrine causes vasoconstriction. So it's going to vasoconstrict, and that's going to help increase the tone of those vessels. Then we're going to see that we're going to start fluids. So once we get the tone of those vessels going, but with the epinephrine kicking in, we start IV fluids because then that volume can start to increase and increase their blood pressure. And then some extra meds they might give on the side, um, just aren't, they aren't priorities. They might give them some corticosteroids. They also might give them some antihistamine. But during anaphylaxis, that main drug that you have to give is epinephrine. Because if you don't give that, then your vessels are not going to be able to constrict and you're not going to be able to even get fluid to pump through the body or even other medications to pump through the body. So that's key. And during this anaphylaxis, if you can, you know, if you've taken this away from the way that the body responds is ABCs all the way, airway. I need to lock down and secure that airway and keep their airway open. Sometimes these patients have to be intubated if it progresses far enough and they're going through and their body is starting to fail and not being able to compensate for itself. So airway, breathing, and then we see that circulation piece come in too because of the vasodilation that is occurring and that blood pressure dropping, and we need to get that blood pressure back up. So this is um, two great examples of um, immunity, and we these examples, are, they're two great examples, but also know that they're focused on that, ex, that um, an exaggerated immune response, this allergic type of reaction. We'll talk about other exaggerated immune responses as well as suppressed immune responses in other podcasts.